Hey everyone, this is Gary, or better known as G-Funk, from Glasgow in Scotland, and I'd like to welcome you to the Loud Crate Podcast, where we, as DJs, delve into a wide range of conversations. Subscribe now to your favourite podcast platform, and follow us on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio. Okay, we're here with uh, Jordan Karen, a.k.a. Joka, my, my buddy from the Great White North so to speak. I guess this is another edition of the Loud Creative Podcast. So how, how's, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's just in the middle of a Friday, which is nice. Get to relax. And we did have a great white north where I am in Canada for like the last week or so, but it's gone and hopefully spring's here. Well, you're more on the like the western part of Canada, right? Yeah, just above Seattle. So we don't get a whole lot of snow, but we do and it can suck and... Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's more like the like the great moist northwest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gray, <laughs> depressing, well, sucks. Yeah, oh, it could be worse. And in, in the worse. summer, it's beautiful. In the winter, it's a grind, though. Well, like, I all these movie studios and TV shows use Vancouver. Yeah, like they film in Vancouver because I guess it's so similar to cities in the U.S. Yeah. So it can't be that bad and it's cheaper here canadian dollar canadian dollar sucks compared to the u.s dollar so yeah i've been up there a couple times not to the west coast i've been to toronto and montreal oh yeah but um you know i'd like to get out there one of these days one of these days yeah yeah maybe if i get a gig yeah yeah maybe if you know a local promoter (laughs) get out on tour yeah exactly exactly yeah Yeah. so well to, to seg into that so you know as we're kind of similar um with the whole dj producing type of thing mm-hmm. um what what got you into djing like what was the, the watershed moment that you need to get into, into that yeah okay this is cool because this april will be 20 years from when i picked up turntables so around 2000 like i graduated in 2000 and mm-hmm. a friend got me hooked on trance and i was a big rap guy i loved rap music loved the beats the production lyrics wasn't really i'd listen to some lyrics but a lot of rappers i couldn't quite make out what they were saying and actually it might be a good thing because a lot of the stuff they were promoting and talking about wasn't really yeah the most healthy but a friend yeah like i say he got me interested in, in trance right around 2000 and i got hooked on it pretty instantly like seb fontaine cds i then went down the napster searching for trance found tiesto's magic series and the uh Mm. summer what was the summer breeze uh and then in search of sunrise and then listened to it consistently for about two three years and i remember it was april 20 2003 armin van buren had just done a essential mix and i was like i want to do this i want to i want to curate this type of music to people locally so i went out the next week went over to vancouver spent probably about 2500 bucks on turntables and a mixer and that was it and like you know strictly vinyl of course right oh yeah or- yeah god i just i probably have i mean i only bought vinyl from 2003 to about 2006 because i think it was around 2006 mp3 started to come out and cd D, cdjs came out but I still probably have about 400 vinyl. Yeah, that's nice. I, I I miss vinyl so much. Yeah. I mean, that's where I cut my teeth on was vinyl. Um, I actually started in 95. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I'm whoa. a little older. Yeah. And um, 
I just like vinyl was it was it like I was a, a fiend and I just love the warmth of it um, yeah I think one day I would love to just reinvest in a nice sound system with a turntable and like those like records I love so much not necessarily I'm not just talking about like dance music I'm talking about rock hip-hop mm-hmm. R&B you know like I, w- I would love to hear let's say you know okay computer and vinyl Right, yeah. You know, I've never done that. It's always been CD or, you know, MP3 and whatnot. But I would just love to, like, one day just sit on my couch and just listen to OK Computer on vinyl and just to see what I get out of it. I don't yeah, know. hear the sound quality, right? The difference. Yeah, yeah I, I've, I'm going to try to do a mix next month. I don't know if it's going to happen, how much. I mean, I have a lot of time. I could do this, but it just seems so daunting to put together, like, a mix going from music playing now at about 120 beats per minute and then all the way to the trance, finishing it off with the trance. But mm. I need to get turntables first from somebody and then I got to get adjusted to mixing on vinyl again, you know, not to say that I'm using the sync button on the CDJs or my controller, but beat matching off vinyl without any sort of digital to see where your BPMs is, is a quite a bit different. So yeah. might take might take a bit of time to get back into the flow and structure and you can't cue vinyl obviously so it's tricky yeah yeah, yeah. there's no cue points you know? <laughs> so we'll see we'll see i've got uh, i've got a first scout down and see if i can rent some turntables off somebody for a month but we'll we'll go but i'm I, yeah it's been kind of cool to go back through my old music i oh yeah i've got discogs were you ever a member of discogs yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I go through my discogs because my vinyls aren't with me where I'm at in my house or in storage, and I'm just like, oh, what do I tracks do I have? And like, just go down like this hour long rabbit hole of all these great trance uh, vinyls I got, and I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be one one day cool to do this on vinyl again. So we'll see. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So would this be like a chasing the vibe, which is your monthly yeah. uh, SoundCloud? I would. Oh, would you call it a podcast? I just call it like a monthly SoundCloud ah. mix. I don't know. Anything could be a podcast nowadays, it seems. So, yeah, it could be Including a podcast. This. Yeah, it, well, yeah, this is a podcast, right? <laughs> the, the definition of a podcast is pretty broad nowadays. But, yeah, yeah I'm hopeful because that'll be the 40th. Uh, I think I'll do my 39th today or this month and then 40th next month. So I thought, oh, 40, April 2023, 20, that's 20 years. That'd be kind of cool. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see how I go with it. But um, okay. I think the concept sounds cool. Again, can I devote that much time? it's probably be like a 20 to 30 hour i would think just like going through all the music and then finding out what i want to play and then getting everything dialed in from yeah cue points and flow and structure no i get that i get that i mean i i mean like my vinyl collection is gone um oh no that's a that's a long and painful story i don't know if i want to really get into it <laughs> okay but um yeah like it i mean it's not like my house burned down or anything like that it was just one day like it was all at my mother's house and then you know i moved out got married etc cetera, etc cetera, and then like i came back and i was like uh where did it go oh. and it was like and where am i and where are my techniques 1200 turntables where did they go and uh they were gone and you know they were sold, and I was like, "Why didn't you tell me about this?" Whoa. So yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, I spent I've spent many a, a therapy session on that with my therapist. Like, yeah, because yeah, that's can... just like, like that, you know, this was like an essential part of my life, and it, it. I mean, yeah, I got married, and yeah, I 
you know, sort of kind of got away from it. But what, you know, I'd like to, you know, you know, at least have my material things not sold or given away without, you know, my permission. So yeah, that that just is terrible. I mean, I had, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna really get into my back history so much. But I used to, I used to work for labels and I used to work for a distributor. So I had okay. pretty much every significant house record from about 1990 to about 2003, like around when you started, you know. But like I had, like on vinyl, I had about, I had about, I'm gonna guesstimate uh, about five to six thousand records. Oh my god. Um, and then just gone. But somebody, somebody got a good score. Then whoever. Yeah, I mean, right. I had like test pressings, and I, I mean, I had some stuff that like, I mean, my 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 collection was pretty tight back then. But yeah. you know, you let it go. It's just a thing. You let it go. It's on. Yeah, honestly, that's like something I'm trying to learn in my life is let go. Like let go of things. Let go of decisions you've made in the past because it just doesn't serve you anymore. And like letting go of that, people could be like, "Oh, that doesn't seem that hard." But it's like, wow, when it's been your life for so many years and you've put so much time and effort into, you know, finding those tracks, playing those tracks, and having those memories, and then they're gone. It's like, whoa, that's that's tough. Yeah, I used to go to there was a record there was a record shop in um, New York City called Dance Tracks. Now, um, I used to go there. Yeah, I live on on the sub. I lived in the suburbs of uh, New York, so I would go there, you know, whenever I could. Hop on the train with my record bag, my empty record bag, and fill it. And I remember walking to like, whenever I walked to Dance Tracks. I would pass by the Hell's Angels headquarters in New York City. <laughs> and it was always like a weird, like a trippy experience. But like just going there and just like going th- through the crates and and uh, just discover musical discovery, I think, is one of the bring it, the, what gives me the, one of the most uh, joyful feelings I have. Like I think it's just tremendous for me. Like when you just find a record out of nowhere and you're like whoa this is amazing from an artist you never heard of and it's not about like scooping for me or anything like that it's it's about i, I you know this is just a wonderful experience like it's like finding like you 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 have this great meal and you try something for the first time and it tastes so good it's like that for me mm, that's and a, um, that's a good analogy yeah i like that no thanks i i just feel like you know it, it, it it's and I, and it's carried over into now. Like you know, now I'm, I'm you know I'm no I'm I'm no longer married, and I'm you know rebuilding my life, in into this into this pattern. And musical discoveries is bringing me so much joy again, because mm-hmm. there's so much music out. It's it's actually overwhelming how much music is out. Yeah, it, there is a lot, and I think because it is a lot easier to make music now and mm-hmm. because the the dream of the global traveling dj artist is is out there and it's a lot more easily to attain than it was you know 10 15 years ago like i remember i was watching a a tim green uh interview on youtube right when covid hit about three years ago and he's just like you know when I got started 10 years ago doing this there wasn't a whole lot of YouTube tutorials and it wasn't as easy as it is now to to learn how to do a lot of things and because of that 
yeah, there's a lot more people saturating the market. Like for the longest time, I thought production was really hard. And I still do to some degree. Granted, I'm getting stuck in various blocks for writing melodies, for example, but getting the base of a track laid out, I don't mean baseline, but like getting your percussion, getting your kick, and then buying a few things and plugins can definitely get you pretty to a close point where you could actually release a track and then from there it's just how 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 willing are you to go deep to try to create something special because unfortunately and i'm not ragging on a lot of producers but some guys just stick to a very template a template when they release their tracks and a lot of producers who i love who produce quality stuff I hear some other stuff and I'm like, yeah, this is good, but like it doesn't stand out from anything you've really they're done. Like, and it just seems they're playing the quantity game versus the quality game. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I shouldn't be ragging on anybody. I'm still trying to release my fifth and sixth tracks or sixth and seventh tracks. But like, I just listen to some stuff and I'm like, yeah, this is good, but like this is going to be forgotten in two months from now, right? Yeah, it, it, it's true. It's true. Well, th- I mean, this music's so disposable now. Like, you have like a shelf life. If you got a shelf life of four weeks, God bless you. You know. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just overwhelming. Like, I, I was gonna ask, like, how how is the production thing going with you? Like, are you you, you have anything coming out soon, or are you just working on a bunch of stuff? I've had three tracks that I thought were pretty good. And I probably could get released. Um, and I was working on those in the late summer, early fall last year. And then brought them to a producer to get some feedback. And the feedback was was quality, but it just totally messed with my mind. And I started to tweak these tracks and couldn't quite find what I was looking for and then I just got lost and I'm like oh so I've I've looked into getting another coach to help me and I think uh, we're actually going to start this month because he gave me some good feedback the other producer gave me good feedback he's like hey yeah your production quality and sound and mixing and percussion sounds great he's just like you're just struggling with these melodies so I'm hopeful that I can get over this block in the next couple months and get those released and move on and i even said it to this guy i'm like and he made a really good point and he goes uh because i was like well you know i'm so close with these tracks like i i feel like i could just release them but you know i want to put a little bit extra work into them and he goes well you know like maybe you just sort of let go of these tracks and Mm -hmm. they don't see the light of day but they're you know a nice and i'm like yeah that's a good point but i had this thing where i when i first started I, i just wanted to release the music regardless of if i was at that level of being released by all day I dream, right. etc. I just wanted to release music because I think it's really cool to look back upon pro- progress, you know, and for me listening to some of the earlier stuff from Guy J or Tim Green to where they're at now, their sound has totally evolved and it's yeah. definitely gotten better. And I wanted to have the same thing. So I didn't want to be held back because I'm a, I was a former perfectionist of slowly gotten over that but i just wanted to get stuff out there so i'm like okay well do i let it out there now and you know and know that and so anyways it's it's been an interesting battle so i hopefully i'll get these tracks out in the next little while and i can start to work on something else again because it's held me back a bit i understand that i mean i'm not saying i'm prolific by any means but i mean i've 
finished in 2022. I think I did 22 tracks. Whoa. Yeah, I, I've gotten to this thing where I've, I'm about finishing music. Like, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. And it's and it's really been hard for me to go back. Like, once I'm done with it, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I, I, I really, um, I, I guess I'm the opposite. Like, I'm really ready to let it go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it and um, and it's interesting because I've gotten feedback from you know labels and stuff, and I actually like have to go back to a couple tracks. Actually, they want to sign it. They just want me to tweak some outros. And I've been really struggling going back to them. Like I, I'm, I'm just kind of all about moving ahead, and I'm really struggling just going back. Like all I really need to do is just add another 16 bars, a little outro, so the DJ can mix these in and out of it a little easier. And, and when a part of me's like, I just don't want to. Like maybe it's a uh, maybe that's my mental block. Hmm. Like I don't want to go back to that. I just want to be done with it. Wow. Yeah. See, to me, it see that would seem so easy. That's the easiest thing. Like to add a couple, like another yeah. loop of a little bit of percussion and have things slowly die off. So yeah, like I'd be all over that. So see, it's amazing. So yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, the key for me is this finishing music. Um, it's hard. Um, what I do is I my I'll just give you a little inside my workflow. I I pretty much spend an hour every an hour every day with music. Mm-hmm. I will you know whether it's in the morning or in the evening. I tend to work better in the evening um, because in the morning my brain is not right. Um, I can do physical things in the morning like work out, do yoga, or you know I used to do jujitsu in the morning. And and that worked out really well for me. So if I'm doing like a physical activity, I could do it really early in the morning. I'm talking like 6 a.m. You know, before I even start my day. But when it, something that requires the the you know the mental acuity that you need to make music, I have to do it later at night. So I'll spend like an hour or so because I work only from headphones. I, Same. I, I, yeah, Same. I, I don't have like any treated room in my home. And it's just not, you know, it's just not convenient for me to use speakers. So I'm like, I do it also only an hour. I kind of cap it an hour to protect my hearing. Right. Yeah. Good idea. Um, but yeah, like I'll, you know, like I'll work on, you know, melodies, and then, you know, I'll go back to that, and then, you know, work on a, you know, a baseline, drums, things like that, and just a little, just tweak, 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 and then, and then, I, and like when I feel like I'm done, I'm done. And you know, I, there's some definitely gaps in my process. I feel. I could become a. I could be a much better mixer, because hmm. um, I've gotten also some feedback from labels about the mixing. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, you have too much, you know, too much sub bass, and it's drowning things out. You know, right. if you play, like, if you play this in a club, it would just sound washed out. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Which I, I, I love feedback so much. Like, at least acknowledge my rec, you know, acknowledge the track, acknowledge that you listen to the track, even if you got an issue with it, even if you tell me it's garbage. Like, at least I appreciate the fact that you took you know six minutes out of your life to listen to the track yeah you know when you don't but i understand other labels that don't have the the bandwidth to really respond to everyone yeah um yeah i think that i think that feedback's important and i think it's when people are giving feedback to give honest feedback and you know whether they can massage it and make it seem like it's not so you know harsh and 
I think that's an important place to come from because that's how people get better. You know, if you're being critical without offering any sort of advice on how to change things, like this is just terrible. You, you know, like that doesn't help anybody. You got to say, what didn't you like about it? Right. 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 So I think that stuff's extremely valuable. And yeah, I, I think that can help too from a motivation standpoint. Like when I sent my tracks off to the, the producer who I'd gotten some feedback on, he was, you know, like, yeah, these are, these are pretty good, but you know, here's, here's what I would change. And, you know, like pointing out things that I did well. And it helped me with my confidence because, you know, like guys are like, you've only been at this for a year and a half, two years. I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, mixing's really, and your, your sound design and your, you know, what elements you choose. I'm like, well, I've been listening to this music for how many years? Like it's my entire life. Like I have a good ear. I understand that. It's just this idea of writing melodies. But like mm-hmm. I say, I think this, this new coach that I've brought on, he had some good ideas with, with melodies and, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So that's like a one-on-one mentorship type thing? Yeah, yeah. I've done it with a few producers. Um, Dowden, who's out of Canada. He's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good dude. Progressive house guy. And then uh, a friend of mine who I met up here from Mexico, Bastian Garcia, who's okay. been released on Sanguara. Yeah, okay. He introduced me to Alberto Hernandez. Oh, from Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had Alberto help me out and... You know, he was helpful too. And oh, then, that's 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 those are some like good legit uh, folks. I mean, I doubt and I mean, I like his uh, YouTube tutorials. I think they're great. I, yeah. I find them extraordinarily entertaining. Uh, it's helped me out a couple uh, with some things as well. And he actually, uh, when I when um, Maelstrom came out on Univac, yeah, he like shouted. He like reached, sent me a DM like telling me how much he liked the track. I was like, oh, oh dope. I, dope. I, I doubt, like you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And that, that was really cool. And yeah, his, like, I, you know, anyone listening, like, I recommend his, uh, his tutorials. I think he has a Patreon. Yeah. If you really want to, like, really, you know, you know, maybe you don't want to spend a whole heap of money, but if you have a few bucks and you, you know, want to get a little bit more, um, you know, production knowledge, I, I recommend, I recommend it highly. Um, but that's that's great, man. If you can get that kind of mentorship, and I noticed that a lot of guys are doing that on Patreon, you know, where they'll do like mentoring, and uh, I think it's great. I think oh, I I, yeah. I just I love it. Like I signed up for Guy J's Patreon, and what he would do if you got the highest level, I think it was like twenty bucks a month, is he would send you a track each month, and then he would send you the stems of it. Oh wow! To see how he built it, and you're like, oh cool. And you could obviously take those things. I had a couple of his. Uh, elements sampled in one of my tracks that i released last year but i i just think it's great for those types of producers and artists to monetize and make more money because yeah covid covid hurt a lot of guys traveling granted your guy jays of the world aren't going to be struggling anytime soon but a guy like Dowden, you know like okay this mm-hmm. is great i've got this skill and i need to try to monetize it so yeah that's he i think i was in tim penner's facebook group and then down being from toronto as well mm-hmm. was into that group and then you'd come across his videos and you're like yeah cool and, and you work one-on-one with them it's great and like i'm coming from a place like i used to teach golf to people and i'm like well you know a lot of people yeah they can try to learn golf on their own but it's gonna be extremely difficult and yeah. that's where somebody like me in those years came you know i'm an instructor i can help you i'm like well i've got the money you know and i would rather try to slingshot and make progress on this faster than sooner than doing it on my own and yeah there's a lot of great youtube tutorials out there but sometimes just having one-on-one coaching is so valuable so that's where i was like yeah this this is this is where i want to be and this is an expense that i'm willing to to pay and 
Well, it's an investment in yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. how you have to look at it. You have to look at it. You're investing in yourself. You're not, you know, I mean, buying a new pair of sneakers is great, but the sneakers are going to wear out. You know, they'll, they'll get dirty. But if you, you know, spend that money and you invest in yourself, you know, you can, it's like, you know, planting a seed and then, you know, you know, a nice tree can come from it. Now, how long have you been producing? So I originally was planning to start when COVID first hit and then made an excuse and wanted to work on one of my side projects during COVID because I was like, well, I need to use my time to invest into this thing that's going to make me money down the road. So I didn't really do too much in 2020. Like I downloaded a cracked version of Logic and that thing ended up breaking and then I just got sidetracked. And then at the beginning, uh, yeah, probably like actually... Yeah, right around this time, 2021, I think, is when I started to to get more serious into it. I bought a real version of Logic, and then I approached uh, Dowden, and then, yeah, so I guess it'd be pretty close to two years. But, so you, you use Logic as your DAW? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm an Apple Mac guy, and I was looking at Ableton and Dowden. You know, he teaches. He's, he's in Ableton, obviously, if you've seen yeah. his videos. And I'm like, well, I'm not going over to Ableton. Like, I've already invested too much time and effort, and I've looked at Ableton and I tried to learn it and I probably would be able to, but I'm just so far into logic. And plus, right. I, don't, I, I don't want to spend another however many bucks it was for Ableton. So, no, I get that. And, and you know, that's great because, like, I got lot, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like, I got logic first. Yeah. And I was, I'm kind of, a, I guess I'm, we're going to be like the COVID producers, like we're <laughs> this COVID generation of producers. Cause that's exactly. when I, that's when I started. I actually, I used my stimulus money. To buy uh, from the government, I used it to buy the software. Well, don't so, tell, don't tell Joe that. Uh, Joe, you know, Joe, Joe will forget in five minutes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> true, very true. Uh, no, I, I used, I got Logic first, and I just couldn't get into the UI. Like it was just very uh, clunky for me. Um, I do there. There are aspects of Logic that I do like. I like. Um, I like the live drummer. I think the live drummer in Logic is awesome. Yeah. Like how you can just manipulate it and the and the warmth you get from it. Um, a lot of guys use Logic and 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 Crush. I mean, you know, Wasu, uh, Marsh, Marsh uses Logic. So, you know, I mean, it's it doesn't matter. It's just a tool. And I would like to get to the point where I could use both interchangeably. Like where I, you know, maybe I'll make a song in Logic and. You know, maybe because I want that that feel, that live drummer feel of it. You know, I don't right. know. Yeah, I think based on what I've talked to with guys who are in Ableton, they come over and look when I'm doing a session with me in Logic. They're like, oh, yeah, like this is pretty similar. It's just sometimes, you know, trying to find a certain thing here and there. It's a little bit different. But for the most part, I think they're pretty similar. It's just like, where do you get, what do you like? Like, and I just like I look at Ableton and I'm like, this is drab, you know, like. You said user experience or whatever, and I'm just like, yeah. Like I look at Ableton, and I'm like, this doesn't make me want to go in. Like at least with Logic, I feel like it's more. Honestly, colors are a big thing. Mm-hmm. Color coding channel strips and and having that structure and flow. The one nice thing that Ableton has is that uh, what is it? The layout view where you mm-hmm. can just create your loop, and then you can obviously then transition. So I just build my whatever it is, 3264 bar loop. Yeah. in logic and then i just pull everything to the right and then start cutting out and slashing out certain elements as you're building the track so let me ask you what is your musical end game 
Yeah, that's interesting. What am I dreaming of? That's uh, there's a guy on Twitter. He's like a I want to say booking agent for DJs and he's got a lot of motivation out there and it's like what do you really want to do, right? Like yeah. And I think when I originally started DJing after listening to that Armin, it was like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel around and play music for people and cuz my goals before that as being a golfer were to travel around the world playing golf for money on TV. So it was still the same sort of dream, which was traveling around the world and making money. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, maybe I'll do this with, with DJ. And, you know, if I could go back in time at that time, I wouldn't have learned DJ and I would have learned production. I, I wish I had switched. I wish I had wanted to get more involved in the music making, because honestly, there's a lot of great DJs out there that don't produce that nobody really knows about. Yep. Right. And you just, you have to have productions to make a name for yourself. You got to yep. be released. You got to have other artists play your, that's how people find out. And that's how you grow. Right. So, and yeah. And that's how you get booked. Cause like you're going to play, you know, some guys don't like to play their own music. Some people love play only their own music. So it's like a, you know, I, it's, it seems like to be like a necessary skill set to get to the, that level, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I've, you know, I have the big dream that I would like to be able to play nationally and play internationally, but I have to be realistic. I'm almost 41 years old and nobody really knows me. And unless I'm going to make a huge dent in the next three years, that's probably an unlikely thing. However, there's still lots of opportunities. Like I'm, I work for myself and I, can work from wherever. So like, if I was just like, screw it, I'm going to go over to Southeast Asia for two months. And then if I start to put in some groundwork, I could potentially get some gigs there. Granted, they're not like the big, huge, you know, playing for thousands of people. It's more of just like you're playing for a club, but there's still 200 or 300 people and you get paid. That's more Mm -hmm. likely an option for me or, you know, going down to Costa Rica or parts of Mexico and just going around to some of these beach clubs and saying, Hey, here's my am. Who's I am. Like, I'm happy to play and make a little bit of side income that way when you're traveling around. Yeah. Well, how, what's the scene like by you? Like just the local scene? It's not very good. I've kind of, I stepped away from the scene. So I DJed here until about 2009 and then I was whatever, 25, 26. And I didn't really have any vision for my life. I was just leaving the golf industry. So I took a step back and wanted to focus on getting a career and, my life sorted out before I put any more time and effort into DJing. So I stepped away from the scene and back then it was pretty good. There was a lot of progressive house and house was big in the city. Um, any big acts would come into Vancouver and that would be trance guys like Tiesto and Armin and Ferry Corsten. They'd all come through cause there would be massive raves in Vancouver. But, um, you know, from about 2008 to pretty much now I've been out of the scene. I've thrown a couple smaller events um, for myself and getting more into the spiritual crowd and community. So doing, because I I don't know if there's a thing in New York or if you know about stuff called Dance Temple or Ecstatic Dance. No. Okay. I'm so, sure there is though, but I don't yeah, know. there is. Though there would be. There is a community, and they're all over. And I I kind of just found out it because I was talking to a friend when COVID first hit, and I was looking at maybe going away and going to like a spiritual area and he's like oh yeah go to bali they got like these things called ecstatic dance and you might be able to 
DJ for Ecstatic Dance. I'm like, what's this? So Ecstatic Dance is just basically like a sober conscious community that goes in and dances. And depending on where you are, some of these dance temples, they have strict rules, like no talking on the dance floor, like no judgments. So you're in your own kind of world. But a lot of the music is quite similar, like the Organic House vibe. It's more of yeah. like the Soul Selectas, like 100 mm-hmm. and five to 112 15 bpm like slow a little bit more tribally so i realized that a lot of people that go to dance temple might actually find this organic house quite healing and quite similar so i put on a couple of events focused on yoga we're doing some breath work and then doing dance and and listening and and playing house music this organic house stuff and quite a few people were receptive of it so i was like okay that's cool but other than that there's really nothing going on where we are there's a new company that came in a couple years ago but they tend to get like house acts like they've brought in three or four djs i i don't know who these people are and they've been around for years but they're more of like clubhouse like traditional classic house in some way are they like big room house, like like Dom Dalla or MK or something like that? Like- no, one one guy, uh, his name was John Lee. He just came in. I think he's a Canadian guy. And then another guy out of Washington a couple months ago, Saeed Yunan. Oh, I've heard know. of Saeed Yunan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I think Kenny- he used to. Yeah, he used to. I think he used to put out records with uh, Yoshitoshi, like I'm okay. talking back in the day. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. So those types of guys, and then I don't know if you know Kenny Glasgow, Kenny Glasgow yes. of Art. De- yeah. Okay. Everybody. Yeah. Seems like. And he came in, and I hadn't really. I've heard of his name. I've heard of Art Department, but I, you know, on his set blew me away. Like it was like really heavy pounding, almost like a tech house. Mm-hmm but just like relentless like just constant like not bangers not big tracks but just like constant groove and it was really quite cool so this guy's bringing those types of acts in but you know and i looked at there's a guy named darren out of uh the northern part of island to zam he brought in wazoo last year at the end of last year in the summer mm-hmm. um i think wazoo's playing out there in yeah vancouver uh, with this other cat I know, Ben Pierre, he's from he's from uh, the UK. Okay. Who has he's you know he's had like he's had tracks on like Flug Lab and uh, he, I think something just came out on Sound Avenue. Oh, cool. I, I think yeah, so I think they're gonna be out there. I, I want to say April, May. I'm not sh- I'm not sure exactly what, but I, I know from the socials and stuff like that. Yeah. So I yeah I just saw Darren had posted that he's playing with Wazoo in Vancouver and the company's called Lucid Nights, which I don't know. I think they're out of the states, but I tried to look at possibly bringing Wazoo in because the guy was flying all the way from New York just to Comox for this one gig. So I was in contact with his booking agent and it just kind of fell through and there wasn't enough time to promote the van. And based yeah. on the venue I needed to rent out, it was going to be about a hundred to hundred and fifty to two hundred person venue. But I really needed to sell a lot of tickets. And where I'm from, that type of name, he nobody knows Wazoo really where I'm from outside of maybe a handful of people who are DJ. Yeah. So you'd have to really sell the fact that he's been on featured on Anjuna Deep and Anjuna Beats and everybody knows Anjuna because yeah. Marsh and, you know, those mm-hmm. types of artists but there's just there's not much of a scene for it here however it's like well maybe we can start our own scene and slowly that's what i've been trying to do whether it's events that i do or other events i try to go around to people and if i get my name out there and people understand the music that i play then that means there's a potential to bring in some of those artists like that but yeah it's tough 
No, I understand. I understand. It's like you have to create your own scene. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm gonna, you know, I haven't played in. I'm gonna say the last time I played a gig live was like 20 years ago. Oh, cool. Because yeah. I stepped, I stepped away from DJing and all that stuff, and uh, kind of got like this. Oh well, you know, I worked for a label uh, around 9/11, and like we were in downtown Manhattan. Our offices were in downtown Manhattan. I was on my way to work when the towers got hit. Jeez. Yeah. So like everything changed from that. Like the label had to fold because we we had to shut down. New York, you know, was shut down for two weeks, and back then, like in a small independent house label. You you can't you know you you need to kind of be grinding all the time, and this wasn't you know this was you know 2001 where you didn't really have this mobile remote thing that you could do now like we you know right now you don't even need an office to run a label, yeah. But and and back then it was all physical media. You're not selling MP3s. You're selling CDs and and mostly vinyl. So when you can't do that and you're living you know I mean, things were so tight back then you know things fall apart but yeah i i um i remember this gig i forgot what the club was it was a small club and um i forgot to take my i had the ortofon needles you know mm. oh yeah 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 i forgot to take the, like i brought my own art like this place was so ratchet i had right. brought my own my own uh cartridges and i and i forgot to take them like you know like you know before i left it was just miserable so right. I, so i made like no money and i lost my cartridges like oh no oh yeah. no but Shit. i'd like to play out again hopefully um you know you know maybe uh i don't know I, i'm kind of naturally shy so i'm not the person who's gonna go and talk to a promoter I'm like yo this is me and also not for nothing i'm over 50 years old so i'm not even trying to go out every weekend yeah uh i i just can't do that i'm a parent i have responsibilities it's just very um yeah it's it's daunting like if i was ever to the point where let's say i got a quote-unquote manager i don't know if they would they would want to hire me you know they would they would want to sign me because i'm like listen i can't do gigs every weekend i have all these other responsibilities yeah but that's who knows who knows i mean you know yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff, and maybe day parties are a thing too. Like doing some. I, I mean, I was trying on Instagram a few months ago to tr- like, hey, what's in the community? You know, like try to get some more followers and connect with people that are playing the same type of music, DJs and artists. And I came across a few people out of New York, and you know, like they're like posting stuff on doing like rooftop day parties, right? Like that's a big thing. Yeah, just even sort of, and it's maybe not like there's a huge dance floor, but it's more about you're just creating a little bit of ambiance, and maybe mm-hmm. people are chilling out and they're sitting down, but like it's a nice ambiance for people that are, are enjoying a view. Right. And it's, I think the, the music elevates the vibe a little bit more rather than having, you know, somebody just play canned music over the restaurant speakers. Right. So there's a, there's just a lot of opportunities where the music can go and be played and it doesn't always necessarily have to be a nightclub. Yeah, exactly. It's very versatile. So, have what's your experience been with labels like uh dealing with like you know labels and submissions and things like that uh well for me i kind of like am looking at okay where do i want to go like i have labels that i want to be produced on or released Mm -hmm. on down the road and then i've got like my sort of like my tier twos and in getting feedback from them yeah some of them are you know like they provide feedback and it's like 
change these scents. Well, what scents, right? Or, um, but for the most part, just in my dealings with them, they've been great. You know, I think my last three tracks were more progressive house, a little bit darker. And mm -hmm. I think the label that I released them on, I did so thinking that it would be more beneficial to me based on like the, their artwork or their following and like the tracks didn't sell. I think I've sold maybe three copies and I'm just like, what? Like yeah. how to, like I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but my first two tracks that I released at the beginning of 2022, they actually sold quite a bit, like close to like a hundred copies between both tracks, which I'm like, I was stunned. I was like, yeah. hey, these, the fact that, but the, but I didn't realize that he had that Beatport hype and I think getting in the pain for that and getting into the Beatport hype definitely helped that track. Whereas my last three tracks, they didn't sell at all because I don't, you know, nobody really knows that label. And yeah. and he releases a ton of tracks on that label. So mine didn't really get much of a focus attention. So I really wish I had done a little. I mean, I had reached out to a few other labels and they said they would release it. But I talked to Dowden and he was just like, no, I think you should go with that one. I was like, yeah, I thought so too. But it turned out to be a. So I think just maybe doing a little bit more due diligence. Mm hmm in finding a label that's going to actually help you rather than just for them just to like, and I don't even know why. Like, I mean, the guy paid for the mastering. So it's like, well, I mean, you're paying for the mastering on this. Why wouldn't you put a little bit more effort into the promotion? That's why I'm looking for you because my following is only so big. But he's going to charge you back from the mastering though. No, he didn't. He just he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't uh, he, put it in the, uh, he, he just wanted, he wanted to take a little bit more of the split on the tracks, which I was fine with because I was like, well, I don't, I'm not paying somebody to, to master these, but okay. Yeah. So that's been my experience. I mean, I, down the road, like I say, I have my ideals of where I'd want to be released, but I realized to get there. Yeah. It's getting, you know, released on the pure flug lab or Sanguara or, wherever right to get mm -hmm. to that next level of potentially yeah. looking at your lee burridge labels or your sebastian yeah. leger labels mm -hmm. no it, it, i think every release should have a purpose and with the, like an intention um i mean i'm not saying like look i have i mean i have some stuff coming out on other labels and stuff you know um i don't like i don't know if i could divulge but yeah, I, I kind of try to be very, my, personally, I try to be extremely strategic of who I approach. I mean, generally, their labels, if, if I don't play your music, I'm not going to send my, my stuff to you. Yeah. Um, because I want to have that connection. Because when I when I approach a label, I always ask, I always mention, like, you know, I, you know, I love the latest release, you know, the latest blah, blah, blah record, you know, just to let them know, like, I'm not just some rando who just found this label on you know on uh, google yeah uh, that i've you know I've, done, I've like you said due to due diligence and i try to make it like when i approach like more like of a personal thing you know yeah. like that's a, that this label can maybe have a connection with me and um you know it's actually been i've been very fortunate so far with that i've uh i i kind of look at it and I, I i approach it to like online dating i equate it to online dating because it's it's very there there's some parallels because what might work for what might not work for this label may work for another label so it's just like with online dating you approach someone's profile and you you know like or whatever you do and you, and they may not dig you you know you may not be for them but someone else might like what you have to offer and it's very very similar and it's funny i've i i kind of when i had kind of changed that mindset I felt so much better about about let's say you know maybe uh 
I won't call it, quote unquote rejection from a label because it's like you know it's not, you know it doesn't mean that it's terrible. It just means it's not for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can go okay and take that and go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I should have looked at someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's worked out. Like the labels that I, I mean, there's tracks that I've given to you know labels that they were like no, not as no, and then another label picked it up and they're like oh this is great. So it you know it's just a funny thing. Now, moving on, I was gonna say you're a, you're a digital marketer, right? That's kind of what you do. Uh, yes. So I help small businesses with websites, mostly the website marketing, so local SEO, search engine optimization, or Google Ads. Got it. Yeah. Now, do you apply any of your skills with regard to music? Like, do you have you thought of maybe even doing music marketing or do you apply it with your own releases yeah not really never thought about doing music marketing i like what i do i like who i help i'm actually shifting my focus towards therapists and counselors because i want to help people who are helping people but the the marketing stuff definitely does come into play in my um my music stuff like i i think i have like a legit looking artist portfolio on my own website like mm-hmm. people can go there i have a nice logo i think it might be over overbearing it might be a bit much for who i am i got some nice professional photos done i got you know every chasing the vibe mix i put out i put a lot of effort and time into trying to curate and find a nice yeah i like photo. the artwork yeah i always like the artwork for on the uh you know on the what do you call it, the thumbnails and whatnot. yeah and i, I tr- look great I thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that because I do put a little time and effort to it, and I want that to convey what I'm about. I'm about connection to the earth and and animals and plants. Like my first twenty were more scenes and f- photos of earth, and now I went into animals. The next batch, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with those. But um, yeah, that type of stuff I put a lot of time and effort into design like the, the, the events that I've put on putting a lot of time and attention into naming the event and then creating a nice design around it um, so it's been beneficial to me because I really think like if you're for an example I didn't really quite answer the question I did to some degree what I want to do DJing I mean ideally if I can get more gigs playing in there's a lot of festivals where I am in the summer, like being able to play those. Well, when I'm sending my stuff out to them and I send them direct to my own webpage and website and it looks legit, I just think that helps you as an artist stand out more than somebody who doesn't, who only has maybe a SoundCloud profile or who only has a Facebook page that's updated every so often. Whereas like, I'm like, no, if you go to this page, this looks like I'm a legit artist and I'm putting a lot of time and effort into these other things outside of just putting music together and i do think that that's also artwork too right so mm-hmm. that was my hope and goal is that people would see this and go oh this guy looks serious about what he's doing and i want that and that's where like i think too putting out a weekly or a monthly mix that shows dedication to me and if i'm if i'm a producer putting on an event i want to see somebody who is constantly ingrained in what they're doing and putting out and creating content or at least active in that community so yeah it's it's uh it's a nice mix to what i have and plus two being able to market myself should be pretty easy although you know i i do need to put a little bit more time and effort into growing a following but i've I've got other things on the go i've got multiple things on the works right you got a lot of uh, pans on the fire so yeah yeah well i mean because also too like being that you know your main gig is a, is a marketer 
you kind of want to keep that somewhat segregated from the music, right? Because like the music's more of like a release. And yeah. if it starts to become laborious, it becomes work, then you can start to resent it somewhat. So I, I get that. I get that. I mean, I, I, I my level of marketing is this. I just use social media a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I post dumb stuff on Instagram. That's all I do is this Instagram. Um, I, I have Facebook, but I, I just don't, I just don't even bother. I deleted the app from my phone. Like I do not use Facebook at all. Um, I just can't. I know I should, and it's probably not great for me, quote unquote, brand wise. I'm using the marketing terms, brand wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I just don't. I just object to it so much. And I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, but like, I look at Instagram as like the the, you know, the relative that you like that married a horrible partner you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like yeah. so that, that's, but but you still love that person even though their partner's terrible so that's how i look at, at instagram and i just you know try to deal with that because I, I like i think social media is not the the root of all evil as people make it out to be i just think this is how you manage it right you do use moder you do do it in moderation you you know I, I tend to not put personal stuff on my social medias. I just use it to promote my mixes and things like that. Yeah. You know, I, I feel that if you're not using social media as a product, then you are the product. Well, we're all the product on those platforms. Yeah, we are. Regardless, right? regardless, right? I know I know what you mean, but yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like my 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 data and all this stuff is going to be taken. I, I'm going to try to like leverage it so I can use something from this platform. Because when I think about it, like, if it wasn't for Instagram, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't know who you were. I. W- I wouldn't be DJing. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a, a weekly show on on Loud Creative Radio at on Wednesdays. Plug, you know. Um, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have gotten. I wouldn't have put records out. So, I don't know. I. I. I don't think it's the root of all evil, but I guess it's how you manage it. Yeah, I think putting that effort into it and and understanding that it is a good tool when used properly. Like I, you know, I scrubbed my Instagram clean for many reasons, but a lot of the stuff that was on my feed was shit. And I wanted to cleanse that out and get more positive messaging and Mm -hmm. make the experience when I go on there, one that's actually going to lift me up rather than pull me down. Right. So yeah. And it's, it's amazing how you can connect with people like, there's yourself. Um, I, you probably follow Ben Desert Raven out of Denver, you know, and mm-hmm. I never met him, but we have a lot of chats and I feel like uh, a brother to him and we've never met in person. But Instagram brought us together and there's a few other people too that over the course of time, you just connect with them and you feel like you've built a solid relationship with this person, even though you've never met them. And that's obviously we don't we wouldn't have that without and we can say it's instagram but at the end of the day it's the internet right yeah, the, it's the, internet, the, yeah. the internet is the tool and these various programs and apps are just ways to connect us even further and it's amazing what we can who we can reach and how we can reach them and how we can touch people and soundcloud right like yeah. having our mixes and shared on soundcloud and what you know for one new person that listens to your mix every time that's one person you got yourself in front of and that's a big thing and 
yeah, years ago we never had that opportunity. It would be going around to a, a bunch of people throwing out your demo CD. Hey, hey, check me out, check me out. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know. And then like yeah. I, I don't like I was just even trying to think. I'm like, oh yeah, I was a member of Trans Addict, and that's how I found out when Tiesto and Armin would be coming through Vancouver because you'd be seeing their schedule. And I don't even know if those guys had websites back then, but right. that was the only way you could find out where acts were going on. Right nowadays, it's everywhere. I'm kind of glad that SoundCloud's kind of relaxed the whole copyright stuff. Yeah, you know, you know, before back in the day, you couldn't put a mix on SoundCloud without getting flagged, and they've really, really loosened up on that. Everyone really has, even YouTube, YouTube, because YouTube's trying to compete with uh, TikTok, right? And and YouTube like used to get flagged for any for everything, but now, you know, I've dabbled with putting like visualizations of my mixes on there. Yeah, and uh, like. You know, they'll, I guess what they do is they inform the copyright holders. And if the copyright holders have an, an issue with it, they'll, you know, ask for it to be removed. But like most of the, most of the people on my mixes are like guys like you and me who appreciate the, the, that someone, you know, put their record on a mix. So I, uh, you know, I've not, I've put it, like I said, I put a couple on there. It's, it's just takes a long time to like render. Yeah. So I don't have to really, I haven't given it the attention maybe I should. But and I don't know if you know I, I don't know if I'm gonna continue to do it, but um, I was surprised. You know, it was like kind of like an experiment to see, you know, what how YouTube would work because YouTube's. I think I, I I don't like YouTube, in the sense of I think that the way that the algorithm works is extraordinarily aggressive. So like mm. you know like the content because they want to they want you to sell you know they want to appease their advertisers right so. You're gonna get hit with that content, you know. You know, you're gonna get overloaded with the same kind of content, and but I'm just curious about the reach, and and you know, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, you got to put your time and effort on that platform too, and grow your following. Because I mean, if you have 20 subscribers, well, you know, you got to do something, paid promotion, or to connect with another creator and have their have your stuff released or you know promoted on their channels, but. Yeah, it's interesting when you're going back to that SoundCloud. I, like, I remember getting flagged. Like, I couldn't allow people to download my mixes because it had tracks from certain artists. And I'm like, wait, 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 like what? Yeah. Like, this is a mixed version of a track. Nobody's going to take this track and chop it up and then mix it on their own. And so, like, it just kind of is, is really interesting because you go into Beatport and buy a track from an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, the artist isn't getting paid much after the label takes their 50% cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... The whole goal of having your tracks released, at least in my mind, is to get more notoriety out there. So why wouldn't why, why wouldn't you want your music being played by anybody? And even if it is on SoundCloud, who cares? Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when artists and DJs don't release track lists. Yes. <laughs> Granted, Shazam has come a long ways, but for me, it's like, hey, if my 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 track was played by Nick Warren. I want people to goddamn well know that that track was played by Nick Warren. Now, if it's a live set, you got to rely on somebody idea. But if it's a mix that he's put together, then, mm-hmm. he, you know, and I know that him and everybody else is usually pretty good. But sometimes people don't release those track lists. And I'm like, oh, well, this is a huge opportunity for somebody whose track that I haven't heard. And it's an ID. That's my worst nightmare is the ID. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you ever used a thousand one track lists? Have you ever gone yeah, on yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it, yeah, that's yeah, the other source. Yeah. And that's kind of tr- like tricky to get on there. Like it's not easy to get oh, your, really? your, your mix on there. Yeah, because you have to have like uh, there's like a uh, a criteria where like you have to have X amount of people flag your track. 
Oh, on okay. Like, it's like really, really, I was like, I was looking at the criteria and it like, it gave me a headache. I was like, I just, you know, all you're doing is really like providing information. So like, why is it so hard to provide the information? Like, why is it so hard for me to have my stuff on there? But whatever. I, you know, I, That's, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Cause it's all, like also too, like I thought, you know, if you wanted to have your podcast released on Apple Music, I thought you had to jump through hoops on that. But like everybody, no, easy. everybody I know has their podcast out on Apple Music, and I'm like, what? You could do it that easy now. So I don't know why. Yeah, my monthly shows on Apple Apple Podcast. Yeah, and it gives another opportunity, Plug. right? <laughs> nice, nice. Just throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a further opportunity. So I don't know why you have such a hard time getting into 1001 track lists. Yeah. I mean, you, like, uh, you know, you could game that you could get people to create fake accounts and to whatever, but yeah, but I'm shy. I don't, I don't really get along with people. Well, just, <laughs> <laughs> just sound like it. Yeah. So, um, one last thing, cause we got only like you know, a little less than five minutes left. I yeah. wanted to give you some, um, um, about mensgroup.com if you oh, wanted yeah. to discuss that uh, briefly in you know cliff notes sure yeah so three years ago a little over three years ago I got out of a relationship because I was struggling with addictions sure. and you know I won't disclose those addictions yeah. because people don't need you know I mean I'm okay to share these things but we don't have much time but anyways yeah. it, I was, it was something that I needed to work on and during our relationship she even was just like you should go find a men's group so I had split up with her because I was in no way shape or form well I mean I basically forced her hand to break up with mm -hmm. me because I was just not making the changes so after we split up a friend of mine who I'd known for years we actually met at a Tiesto concert in Vancouver Sean he uh, started this men's group site up and it was right perfect timing for me and I was able to jump into my first few meetings and share my struggles with my addictions and how I needed to move through and I hadn't really shared too much about those with people mm -hmm. um so I've been a part of it for three years and it's been a huge help for me overcoming things like I quit drinking two years ago. Good for you. Thanks. And the other two addictions I've stopped and I feel good. pretty pretty good about the place that I'm in, but just being able to facilitate. So I facilitate now. I, I Oh, nice. Yeah, I join groups and I'm facilitating and I came in, I'm like, oh, I'm 40 years old. Who am I to tell some 55 year old guy who's going through a divorce what to do? But I don't, that's not necessarily my role. My role is just to facilitate the conversations around them. And if I do have something I feel I can chime in on and offer support for somebody who's been struggling with something that I've been through, then I can offer it up. But for me, it's just a nice uh, area to, to connect more with men and to have more conversations about mental health and what it's mm -hmm. like to be a man and, and how to overcome our shit because a lot of men just don't talk about their issues and if they do talk to men it's mostly I don't want to paint a stereotypical picture but it's about sports women yeah. and bullshit it's not yeah. about hey you know I'm having this problem with my wife or my kids saying this to me I don't know what to say or you know what I'm really feeling unfulfilled in my life so being able to be around those conversations is, is, is really powerful for me and to facilitate them is helpful too. So that's my role with men's group. Yeah, because, you know, it's kind of ingrained in our culture that men have to be this strong, silent type and men don't talk to each other enough. I think that's a huge problem. That's been, uh, you know, I see, you know, full disclosure, I see a therapist every week. Great. And talking helps me so much. It's changed my life. And, you know, I wish more more people, more people, but especially men. And I'm not trying to turn this into a gender thing, but I wish that more men would would speak up about it because 
you know, we, we, you know, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle every day. All of us, you know, so many of us do, you know? Absolutely, man. There's this great clip out. I was watching on Twitter, uh, Boomer Esiason, and you know, him, right. Obviously former mm-hmm. Bengals Jets quarterback. He's yeah. got a new, he's got it. Well, he's had a talk show for years with this other, this new host. I don't know how new this guy is. This new host, oddly enough, his other talk show host guys struggle with a gambling addiction. Mm-hmm. That was a wild documentary. But anyways, this new host that he has, this guy had a caller come on and basically call him weak for taking a mental health day. Cause he was having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And the guy lost it on him and, and you know, he didn't lose it on him, but he was just like, Hey man, like mental health is a serious issue. And like, you're calling me out for being soft, like suck it up. Like that's the typical old model of, you know, like suck it up, man, move on. You're a man, be strong. And it's like, no, we have to admit when we have issues and to talk about them rather than just sucking it up and being a man, that stuff's garbage. So exactly. I look at it as contents under pressure, right? If you don't release it in a positive manner, it's just going to explode. Yeah, and that's the problem. I see a lot of guys in my f- groups that I facilitate, you know, they've gone, let stuff go on for 15, 20 years saying something to their wife and then they just blow up and they lose it and they basically tear down their relationship because they weren't able to voice their needs or wants or feelings or emotions to their partner for so long and then it just builds up and then they just snap. And yeah. it doesn't turn out to be a healthy scenario after that so it's teaching men to to be able to like you say express those thoughts and feelings whether it's through therapists whether through it's a men's group whether it's through talking to your friends mm-hmm. yeah it's a huge part of the world that we're in now and and not just accepting the fact that you should suck it up and move on exactly right. and on that note since we're kind of running out of time um where could anyone find you on the socials yeah easiest way is uh, instagram jordan j Quran. And then from there, I've got my link tree in my bio, and you can find everything else about me there, all my websites and side projects and music stuff. Like mensgroup.com and yep. the SoundCloud. When's the yep. next Chasing the Vibe come out? Uh, it'll be sometime at the end of this month. I've got the tracks kind of laid out. I just got to like purchase them and then slap yeah. them together. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. It was good talking to you. Like, you know, we, we've chatted on Instagram before, but like, you know, this is a nice, cool conversation. So exactly. You know, yeah. I appreciate you taking like an hour out of your day. And, you know, like I said, you send me some tracks. If you want some feedback, I'll give you some honest feedback. Okay. I'll do that. I'll call you on it. All right, man. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. All right. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Loud Creative Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio.